Welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes Podcast. Each episode features an interview with today's leaders in advertising technology. If you're working in ad tech and always wanted to sit down and pick the brains of today's experts, then this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we meet a new ad tech hero. Hello and welcome to the Ad Tech Heroes podcast. In today's episode, we're going to talk about mobility advertising, and I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Wright, head of Uber Advertising UK and Ireland. Hi, Paul. How's it going? Hi, Dal. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Good to see you. You too. You too. Thank you for for joining us today. Um, to get straight into it. It'd be great to start off with your career. Um, yeah, tell me more about it. My career. Wow. Um, so my career. <laughs> Started in the very early stages, I guess, of TV, TV's change, which was when Sky first launched in the UK, which was a, a fun and almost a quite entrepreneurial business back in the day, actually, if you think about back before the days of the web. Uh, so Sky was fantastic, great learning, um, very interesting, suddenly doubling the number of channels from four to eight. And now we obviously have a few more than that. Um, and then um, did that, ran teams, ad teams for that, and then uh, went into the dot-com area as Sky started doing its first websites and then ended up on my sort of digital journey from the late 90s onwards. Um, did a couple of dot-coms, one that spectacularly managed to spend $100 million and go bust in two years, which was pretty good. Not that it was, I wasn't involved in the fundraising, I was just an employee at the time, but it was one of those classic moments where the internet didn't quite match the reality of the experience, I guess. And then I did my own startup, which was an ad network um, around sports with um, some co-founders. We managed to turn that into a pretty good business very quickly. And that worked with Premier League clubs and First Division, all all the clubs helping them monetize their websites, essentially. Um, And we sold that to Sky in 2006, went to Sky, back to Sky for a couple of years, then did a variety of other startups, uh, helped sell a pre-roll video business, and then ended up via a circuitous route, I guess, into working for Omnicom, running their digital business for a couple of years, um, which was fun. Then ended up running Apple internationally for iAd as their first ad business, not what they are now in terms of search ads. Then did a couple of other things, um, ended up working and running an in the DSP, and then went to Seismic, and then obviously had part of the team that sold Seismic to Amazon, which was fun. Did Amazon for a couple of years, and then ducked and dived a bit after that and then ended up here um, a year ago, actually, just over a year ago, um, with the sort of remit to build the business from the ground up, which is always fun. And uh, working for a great company like Uber, it's, um, it's been a very interesting journey the last 12 months and we've done really well. <clears throat> Amazing. It's safe to say you've had a whole range of, um, you know, um, startup to well-established companies, you know, a lot of experience. What, what's... Uh, what's been the most fun and what's been the most challenging for you out of all those positions? The fun, I mean, the fun thing for me is I, I think I'm, I'm very, and I've, I talk about this, I've talked about this with some friends recently, is I'm very much driven by building teams. I think that's one of the things that, that drives me. I love building teams and creating teams that are successful. And that's always been part of what we did. And even back at back in Sky in the early days, that was we were building a team that had no one had done before in terms of selling advertising on cross on you know multi-channel tv uh, so building teams is the big drive and also in you know propositions that i really believe in i think you know sky was an interesting proposition 
even Apple's early stages in ads were, were, were pretty good, maybe you know, a little ahead of their time from where they are now, where, where, they, where the market was. So always that, yeah, that combination of team building and doing something new and interesting um, has been great. So that's really what drives me, I would imagine. And then the challenges, has there, has there been one role that's been more challenging? Challenges, oh, well, there's always challenges, right? I mean, I've been made redundant more times than most. I don't know, you know, I have worked to two companies that have gone bankrupt. So the challenges, I guess, are the balance between that risk and the, and the execution and, you know, where, where companies don't succeed. It's not necessarily through a lack of ambition. It's more a lack of, you know, understanding the market well enough and just driving through on that success so there has been some challenging times but i've never i i and this sounds a little bit like a cliche but it's not you learn so much from the challenging times you learn loads more from the challenging times than the easy times and i think when i ran my business or the business i set up with a group of people i i very much felt that we'd learned a lot in terms of how we needed to run it to make sure it was successful from the experiences and the mistakes that we'd seen at other places beforehand. So nothing, you know, nothing too challenging apart from, you know, it depends on how, how, what your appetite for risk is. I guess I, I don't have a, I'm not particularly worried if things don't work out because you'll learn from it and you go and go on to do the next thing. And just, just you mentioned redundancies and we're obviously facing very challenging times now. Um, I think was it only... Mm -hmm. Last week or, or a couple of weeks ago, Spotify announced uh, a lot of yeah. a similar type of business, I suppose, as, as, as Uber uh, to some extent. Um, you know, a lot of redundancies there, and a lot. You know, there's a lot of um, I don't know deflated people within the, the market, and it's not just Spotify, mm -hmm. right? There's companies all around our tech and, and marketing that have been laid off. But what what would your advice be in terms of bouncing back and kind of what you've learned over the years? Um, I think, yeah, it's hard because I think you, the first thing is the, the emotions you have being redundant is, I guess, why, why me rather than somebody else? And you sort of have to push through that. I know it's easy to say, but you, you do that. And then I think it's very much about, I think this, the hard bit is recognising that this is a job to get another job, but that you have skills that you really need to you know, highlight and, and stuff. And, and get through there and you've got networks out there and there's a lot of opportunity. Use, I mean, I always say to people, use your networks. Your network is a really powerful way of getting opportunities. Over-research, I mean, we've done a lot of recruitment um, for Uber actually in the last few weeks, months. And I think, you know, the, the best prepared candidates are really well-researched in, in the subject and they are, you know, the area they want to go into. Join various ad tech groups. There are a lot of ad tech groups out there that support this, whether it's jobs in ad tech or whatever, just join those groups. And just don't, don't I, I think it's easy to say don't give up, but actually most people have great skills that are going to be found in some, by somebody somewhere. They just have to keep going um, and work it through. But, you know, if you have, if you've got a mentor or someone like that, that's usually quite helpful as well. Find someone who's a mentor because that can really help you in the tougher times when it might feel like it's not happening for you I uh, just you know use 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 what you what's around you because I think there's a lot of great people out there there are great jobs it's just finding them and and getting that opportunity to present yourself to those people and convince them that you're the person for it amazing that's great advice um fast forward to now then in terms of uber mm -hmm. I, I think it's very new isn't it uber getting into advertising so yeah tell me a bit about the story yeah. around that uh, and why Uber went into advertising 
Yeah, I think, the, well, the story initially started with Uber Eats. Um, because if you think about your experience for um, delivery um, from a restaurant, and we know this from research and other delivery apps will say this, is that most people go there knowing that they want a delivery, but they're not clear about what they want. And one of the ways, obviously, to provide that choice is to use sponsored listing products so that people can see which restaurant they may want to may be available in their area. So that's where we started. And then that became a very successful business and has established ourselves as a, a performance marketing business with a traditional sort of retail media slant to that. And we work with, obviously, across the world with hundreds of thousands of restaurants, whether they're the big chains or whether they're small independents who use that platform. So that was the first part of it. The second then came in, I guess, as, as we came out of pandemic and we would start thinking about wh where else do we go with this business. And we started looking at what we were going to do in the ride side of the business, i.e. what we do in the Uber, Uber app for, for um, car services and stuff. And then we saw there was a big opportunity there as well, because I think, you know, that you have an opportunity to then see, one, you have great first party data, which is very well protected, and you've got an intent in the user experience, because if you're going to a restaurant or you're going to a bar or you're going to Heathrow or you're going to Charles de Gaulle or whatever, then that's a really simple but powerful message. We know what you're going to do at the end of that journey. And therefore, from an advertising point of view, there's an opportunity there for advertisers to engage, not interrupt, because we don't have ads that interrupt the user experience, and that would be mad from our point of view, but to engage with something that makes sense for what their destination is. Um, we started testing, I mean, we launched that back in, officially launched it back in October last year, and we've therefore been running journey ads for probably about just over a year. And that's been a big growth opportunity. Um, and one that's seen a lot of brands engage with us. And there's, you know, you can, there's a lot on our, on our website in terms of what we've done there. And I guess the, the interesting thing with that is it takes us out of a pure performance play more into a brand play. There aren't many brand plays like, like this one in terms of the exclusivity you have as an advertiser, is only one advertiser per ride, that type of thing. So there's a really strong opportunity. And then with that, you've seen very high engagement. So that was the next phase of it. And then as we've developed, we've also started developing what we do in convenience delivery, which is the other category that we've grown. So we have a restaurant partnerships and we have convenience delivery. And then that brings in a lot of engagement across a variety of services for our CPG partners. Some from you know journey ads all the way through to sponsored listings and those types of things. So we're sort of creating this, we've created now a sort of ecosystem of advertising opportunities from, from the top of the funnel down to the bottom and seeing different brand brand types engage with different um, strategies according to what they're trying to reach within the Uber audience. And then the thing about the Uber audience is obviously the Uber audience is demographic skew to the Uber audience. It's sort of 20 to 44 core, obviously using Ubers on a fairly extensive basis. And our last data suggests that they have the average number of trips per user per month is about 5.7 um, and that's growing so you've got this dynamic audience and therefore the opportunity to to engage with them in different places and and what what part does i'm guessing data plays a big part in all of that right and is that the mm -hmm. data that's available to brands to then use as they want or it's all available like to target across uber no yeah, we're, how, very, how I mean, we're very careful with our 
Yeah, we're very careful with our data. So obviously, the data we have, the first point is that, that we, when we started this business, we just, we've just we been very clear what we don't use our data for. So for example, you can't target anyone going to a hospital or a clinic or anything, any health center with the data. Now, a commercial person might say, well, that's a great missed opportunity because there is opportunity around that, but we don't want to do that. That's not the right thing for us to do. We have this thing in Uber about, you know, build with heart, do the right thing, because it's really important we do the right thing here. Um, so we've created some restrictions, and then when we do use the data, we use our first-party data very carefully, um, and all the guidelines and everything, are all, it's all protected so that, you know, from a user perspective, we're only using it essentially to, to understand one where you're going and then using that data to say, okay, we're going to serve you an app because we know you're going to Heathrow or we know you're going to, you know, um, Houston or whatever, but nothing more than that. And, and, and setting up in the last year, what kind of investment has Uber needed to do, um, whether that's hiring, technology, product? <laughs> uh, I mean, Quite I don't think we... I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we're taking it very seriously. I mean, Dara, our CEO, talks about the importance of the ad business. We made a public statement that we want it to be a 1 billion AIR business in, in 24. Um, so we've invested heavily on that basis, and that's a combination of tech, it's a combination of people, you know, marketing, all those things. We've come into the, you know, we've taken it as seriously as you'd expect us if we to, I guess, if we're going to try and get that sort of level of, of commitment back from advertisers. And all, you know, all going well so far. Amazing. And in the last year, have you got any, any examples of where brands have worked really well with Uber and Uber's platform when it comes to advertising? Uh, yes, we have lots. I mean, I think um, if we just take the UK, I guess, um, one that we did, one very interesting one we did with Boots, uh, where they did two two different creative executions and and two demonstrations of what Uber can do. So the first one was a a broad based targeting of of people going on holiday, going travelling, which was a promotion for their Sultan brand and for their Hay Fever brand as well, to remind people to pick up at Boots in airports or at railway stations or wherever so that you know people could get their last minute items that they've forgotten um and that's worked really well targeting around that was to airports and to to all the destinations and we obviously linked in with boots to where they had boots within those destinations so you know if there's a boots in a railway station with a boots in an airport that type of thing we link that back that was one part of the campaign very successful i'll come to success metrics in a minute the, the next part was also where we started doing event-based support as well. So Boots has a big association with Pride. So we did, um, across three Pride weekends, we basically targeted people in Ubers in those cities when Pride was on, promoting Boots' association with Pride. So not, not really a, a sort of link back to any particular purchase, it was just a brand awareness activity. And obviously we can do that very effectively. The creative was stunning, very strong um, colours, which really stand out on apps within our environment, and that worked really well. And then on top of that, and we talked about this at a IAB event recently, we did a brand lift study. <clears throat> and we found that a couple of things were really interesting. One is all the metrics were positive. So we increased brand awareness, we increased brand favourability. 
um, and various other metrics as well. And and that's quite surprising, perhaps, you know, for you know a, a, an established brand like Boots moving those things quite significantly. And the brand favorability went up by six percent. So we think there's a very strong thing here about how the journey ads, because they are a single ad within it within an experience <clears throat> within a journey and they're getting long attention that there's something in it in terms of the impact that has on brand awareness and brand favorability um, but we're in early stage so that's a good example of a brand using our reach on one side but our very bespoke targeting on another to, to balance out those two different objectives and that's a fine balancing act isn't it because it's 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 great having the data it's great having you know the eyeball mm -hmm. or certain eyeballs and audiences um, but yeah then it's all about having having that scale as well so um, I, I loved your point about share of voice is, is super important uh, and that's what you get uh, across uber so it's one ad uh, per ride uh, whatever it might be how creative then can you get with with that right so can and then how do you still do it in a way where it's um, not going to disrupt the user because you know, Uber has a few, comp you know, a few competitors and very easily just how if I'm trying to locate a taxi or I'm trying to get a ride home, it doesn't really work on one of the apps. I quickly switch to the other one. That's just that's just my preference. But of course. is that what users would also do if they saw an ad pop up and it one was irrelevant and two kind of two in your face like how how have, how have you kind of uh, well yeah I, I mean i think the ad experience yeah i mean the ad it's a good question actually because the ad experience i mean we were always checking the ad experience is as seamless as it can be it doesn't get in the way of the experience at all <clears throat> i'll give you an example so the first screen you see you know the confirmation screen where you're waiting for a driver to confirm that they're going to pick you up though the ad in that is swipeable but non-clickable and the reason it's non-clickable, because if you clicked out, you lose your ride. And we didn't think that, but that's not a great experience from a user. But the swipeability thing is actually quite useful because it allows people in essentially what's dead time to just swipe across and have a look at what else is there. And, and we've seen some really great examples of brands really understanding that context of the user and actually providing more to swipe than perhaps some other brands have done. And that swipe rate can run up to, in some campaigns, we run, one, one campaign ran up to about 10% swipe rate, okay. which is an engagement, um, but it's not interrupting the user experience, it's not taking you out of the app, it's not stopping you getting your Uber. So I think what we tend to think is, say to, to an advertiser you're working with us for the first time, look, think about the context of the user, because it's really, if you can recognize that, then you've got an even better chance of getting greater engagement. Only on the other sections, when a car is coming to you and when a car is, uh, when you're in the car on the journey, do the, the ads become clickable. Okay. And then there's, I think, quite an interesting opportunity around that to where you take people from there because, again, they are in their car, they can be possibly convinced to look at some content or do whatever. And we had a great example of that with some work we did with Warner Music in the summer with Ed Sheeran's album release where we the, the ad was there the first bit was there saying hey the album's out and then it's linked direct into Spotify or any of the streaming services so you could go and listen to the album now where better to do that if you're sitting in the back of a car and maybe you don't want to have a have a chat with the driver you may have your headphones on you can do that right that moment 
So there's that recognition of the moment and the opportunity, I think, is really powerful. And we've got, you know, as we go into next year, I'm sure we'll have more plans around how we develop this, but there is a definitely opportunity there. The average Juba journey is anything between 20 and 25 minutes, depending on the city you're in. But that's true for the UK, certainly. So you have that, that time frame where you could provide other content. Um, we had another creative example where one advertiser actually had um, the first message was buckle up, which you know just recognizes again the user experience. We had another one with another advertiser which was targeting tourists in London and it would say welcome to London um, when you got your Uber at Heathrow or whichever other airport you were at. So those types of simple messaging we think is just adds to the power of the thing without having, you don't have to interrupt, you just have to engage and recognize the user experience. Makes sense. And what role, you know, AI is, is you know, we can't have a podcast without mentioning AI in some shape or <laughs> form. Um, so it'd be great to understand how you feel AI and what role AI plays in, in mobile, well, mobility advertising. We When we talk about our business and our CEO talks about this a lot. I mean, AI is part of our business because we use it to get, you know, people to the right places to estimate the time they're going to take to get there, those types of things. So the ad product sits on the back of that. It doesn't really need anything specific. So it's something you've been doing for um, years, right? Without even anything related to it. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not some sort of, you know, you know, thing that's going to change anything we do because it's already then in the, in the, in the, in the setup there. What's in store for Uber in, in 2024? What do you think will 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 come for for you guys? And what what should brands I think, be excited? Uh, about? Well, I, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of opportunity. I mean, I think we're only just getting started, really. Um, I mean, most of my team in the UK has only been around for six months in the business, so we we got a lot to go. <laughs> there's a lot of people to talk to. But beyond that, I think uh, a couple of things. Firstly, we are testing video formats in the Rider app at the moment, um, and that will get rolled out in 2024 at some stage. And that's important for us because, again, it goes back to that engagement. How do you get the engagement and, and the opportunities there? Uh, we're constantly improving our product suite across all of our services. So we've just launched, for example, video in the post-checkout environment. And this is on Uber Eats. So when you've all made an order and you're waiting for your, your uh, drop-off to happen, we place an ad in that unit. We're just running video in that now and we're finding very interesting results there. Very similar to the Rider app, I guess, in the sense that it's that dead time while you're waiting for something to happen. So we see that as a big growth opportunity. Uh, we'll continue to work more extensively with our CPG partners in terms of what they want to do across all of our services. And we'll keep innovating. I mean, I think gamification is another one. Um, add to wallet is another area which I think we're, we're just testing at this stage in terms of how that works. I always think add to wallet's a huge opportunity, particularly for people going to retail destinations and making that easy to happen. So, you know, here's a discount. We've got some brands doing some testing on this already. Um, and we just can keep on innovating and keep developing the product across all the markets we're in and, and, and go from there. We're never short of anything to talk about, I think is the best way of describing it. Yeah, yeah so it's safe to say a lot more um, quality ad placements, uh, video advertising. Yep. Um, yep. Have you guys thought of audio? Uh, like you mentioned before, when you're riding, you've got headphones in. Is, is that something that you've ever, th or Uber has thought of? 
never say never, but it's not. I mean, I think the visual element is important because of the way people engage first and foremost. So I think we just need to think these things through maybe one day, but nothing planned at the moment. Perfect. And, and you touched on CPG as a vertical that's key for you. Um, what other verticals yeah. have, have or brands have, have worked well with, uh, with Uber? Uh, well, I mean, streaming companies, obviously, for particularly around Uber Eats, because there's a natural synergy there. You've got your food coming and then what you're going to do next. The technology companies do a lot of work with us. B2B, we've done a lot of stuff around the event space, as we were talking about earlier. I mean, <clears throat> that's a big, big area for us, whether it's a big conference in an American city or in Barcelona or something like that. Or there's a lot of opportunities around there. Luxury, we do a lot of work in luxury. The luxury market loves the proposition because one, we can one the targeting can be very geo linked to you know luxury shopping centres, those types of things. But equally, the environment is is um, in a manner that they they're very happy with. And then, I mean, you know, just low. I mean, we've got people doing stuff which is. I mean, the, the, this is where the targeting gets very interesting. So, for example, Uber Green, which is our electric fleet in London. We have a variety of advertisers targeting that audience because, by definition, that's a very clear statement that you're very interested in in um, climate specifically. I mean, you know, everyone's interested in climate, but you know that's a specific statement on that. Or they might be interested in electric cars or whatever. We have Uber Pets, which is our pet service, um, which is well used, and we have lots of advertisers interested in that audience because, by definition, if you're ordering an Uber Pet car you have a pet and therefore <laughs> it's a fairly good qualification for, for a variety of options that there. So th there is just so, so many different ways you can use us. And I don't think we've got to the, the end yet in terms of what we can do. We're just, you know, we're just experimenting at this stage. Yeah. And, and, and everything you've mentioned so far, it's all, all been around data, right? And uh, insights where potentially brands will, will never have access to this with other platforms and, or other publishers or media owners that they yes. work with. So it's, yeah, that's, I think that's uh, super interesting. Um, we've got a final yeah, question. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 thing about, Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, I think it's this thing about, it's an intent audience. So if you're on Uber Eats, the intent is you're going to order some food, you're going to order a convenience delivery, or you, you know, you order gross groceries. If you're traveling on an Uber, you're going somewhere to do something. And that audience is very, you know, it's difficult to capture in other other places. I think in terms of that clear intent is is a, is there, and, and there's, there's no real debate about it. And do you think the demise of the third party cookie is actually playing in your favour because you have access to all of this data <laughs> and unique data as well, or is that again uh, not much of a of a play or an impact for you guys? No, I think I think it helps. I mean, I think this is just just such an unusual data set. And we don't need a lot of data to make it effective. So we don't need to make it complicated in that sense. Um, so I think that's the, the powerful, so I think that helps. I think advertisers are increasingly looking for, beyond the cookie and stuff, a, a less cluttered environment so they can get their message across. The attention thing is definitely part of what we do as well because the average time spent in the ad, ads is about 100 seconds. So that plays into that um, thing about in getting a, getting in clean engagement, and I, it's not distracted, but actually proper engagement in terms of the time spent. 
And then I guess also we fall into sort of a little bit of retail media, commerce media play as well. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we fit into, and I think that's why we've got a lot of interest in what we're doing. And we'll see how the rest of the market pans out and where money sort of moves from to, to us. But I think we're, you know, we're in a good place. We're, we're pleased where, we're, where we are now. Definitely. Um, we always finish off our podcast episodes with this question, so I'd love to get your take on it. Um, if you had a superpower in ad tech, what would it be? I would love to deal with fraud properly. Um, having worked in ad tech for a long time, I've always thought that trying to get rid of fraud is actually a, a bigger priority than anything because of the, the funding that it creates for all sorts of nefarious activities, the challenges it takes in terms of taking money away from, you know, uh, proper proper media companies so I'd love to do something on that and have a sort of magic wand to solve that problem but um, yeah appreciate it's quite a complicated challenge but I think it's one of the things that I've always felt particularly strongly and I even remember back in the day when there was fraud in mobile <coughs> well I'm sure there still is but the, the first discovery of mobile app fraud where you know there were click farms in various places where you, 10,000 iPhones were there and all supposedly downloading a relevant app so I think it's an area I'd love to love to have some superpower to take it seriously and really solve that so the, the money can go to the right places. Amazing. Great answer. Um, I think that's all uh, we have time for in today's episode. Thank you, Paul, for your time. A pleasure. Thank you for the, your time as well.